This is The House Call. Welcome back to The House Call Podcast. We got another fun-filled episode with you going over the recap of Week 10. Bunch of good games, a lot of injury news, a lot of big news coming out of that game. And we got a hot take from someone below me who you guys can't wait to hear because he was preaching about it all week. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Let's jump right into it. We got some things big happening here. Juju Smith-Schuster is in concussion protocol with the Chiefs. Honestly, the Chiefs can't really use this. He's one of the uh, the bigger, more well-known wide receivers they have in that roster there. I don't think it's a big injury uh, as far as the Chiefs are concerned. He wasn't really, you know, jumping out, jumping out of the stadium, doing a lot of things that people thought that Juju was supposed to do. I haven't been on the Juju train for years. And mainly because after he started doing TikToks, he forgot how to play football. So maybe that's just my opinion. You guys think you guys think this juju thing really causes any big no- noise with the Chiefs? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. He's, I know we, his name's not Travis Kelsey, like, Connor. His name's not Travis Kelsey. He's got six hundred yards on the season. I mean, he's a he's a great short route guy. I mean, he's not the biggest name on that team by far, but it's all right. a, 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 a high depth chart weapon. I'll give it to you. Let's keep this moving. So another another couple injuries that are pretty big right now. The Car- the Cardinals couldn't really afford it, but it's happened. They've been hitting it with the injury bug all year. Zach Ertz is out for the season, knee injury. He will not be returning. Uh, that was just announced today that they did get a second opinion on that knee. It is a season-ending injury. He is done. Cooper Cup just had that high ankle uh, sprain over the weekend. He has already had surgery. He is on IR. The fantasy owners who had Cooper Cup are obviously really hurting right now. And it is a big blow, not only to fantasy teams, but to the Rams as well. Cause Cooper Cup was, is, and will always be, it seems their entire offensive production. So the Rams, a bad season getting worse. I think I saw a stat today that said uh, they are now only have a 10% chance to make the playoffs as defending Super Bowl champions, which is a far cry from what they thought was going to happen this year. And another, this is actually rather surprising. So I want to get you guys' take before I, I say this noted. Um, just start with Nick. We'll go, we'll go along the way. Your opinion on what, uh, what Josh McDaniels has done as a head coach this year. Uh, Josh McDaniels, I, he's underperformed uh, with with a, with a offensive weapons that should be top five, top ten offensive uh, offense. But uh, I mean, you got Devontae Adams. I know, I know, Waller's been out. A couple of guys got injured. Hunter Renfro, Waller, but you still got Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. They should be they should be performing better. And uh, if I were if I were the owner. Or making decisions, he wouldn't be coached much longer. Matt, what do you think? Give me your opinion, man. Yeah, pretty much along, pretty much along the same lines. I mean, McDaniel's is is he's an offensive coordinator. He needs to stay an offensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Those guys don't want to play for him. He is not a head coach in the NFL. He's uh, the, granted they've had a lot of injuries. Granted, you know their offensive line is a very good. Derek Carr, you know, kind of jury's still out on him. He's kind of eh, he's middle of the pack, but. The, the Raiders aren't it. The Raiders aren't it. Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. He needs to go back to being an OC. And he's getting exposed without Tom Brady now. He's getting exposed. He is not the guy that everybody thought that he was. He is definitely getting exposed right now. That is 100%. I agree with that. Connor? This guy fucking stinks. This guy is <laughs> terrible. Oh, my goodness. Can I, I genuinely don't think 
outside of maybe Urban Meyer, who has had a worse head coach stint than Josh McDaniels, and he's had two of them. Two of them. Hey, that and first one wasn't so bad, time. man. He took Tebow to a playoff game. They beat the Steelers, all right? So he I really ain't going to take any awful. slander early, all right? He but I get what you're saying. awful. The Colts right. really lucked out on they, not signing him yeah, over the season. Yeah, dodged a bullet there. Dodged, dodged a bullet. So, Ernesto, Josh McDaniels, what you got, man? Uh, I was one of the few people that picked the Colts to win this past week in our predictions. Uh, I saw it coming. Uh, McDaniels can't coach worth a shit. Can't offensive coordinate worth a shit. Um, he's fucking garbage. And uh, Robert, Sass, fuck, what the fuck's his first name? Saturday, what the fuck his name? First name? No, Saturday. What's his fucking first oh, name? Oh, Saturday. Oh. Uh, yeah. Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. I had a feeling he was going to win his first game, especially because they were playing the Colts, which I think is a team that's. Better than their record, but their coach just provides shit game plans. And wow. I think he should get fired after the season because there's no way you get the best receiver in the league. You have an above a good quarterback. I still think their car is good, but coach sucks. Well, so we're all in agreement. We think Josh McDaniel should be fired. Well, the only person, and this is the person who actually matters, is the owner of the Raiders. Raiders fans, I'm sorry. Rome wasn't built in a day. That is what the owner of the Raiders said when he talked about Josh McDaniels' job security. Josh McDaniels is not on the hot seat as far as he's concerned. He's going to finish this season. He's probably going to be the head coach of the Raiders next season, and they're going to continue to roll with the Josh McDaniels train. I think it's a bad idea. We all here think it's a bad idea. We've been preaching it for a hot minute. Josh McDaniels is not head coach material. And Colts fans, if you were – if you were angry about the whole Josh McDaniels thing, you're looking pretty lucky right now. So I wouldn't even worry about it, but let's keep this going. I'm glad we all are on the same page. If we were, if we were owner of the Raiders, we'd be firing Josh McDaniels probably last week instead of this, instead of, you know, next year. Fired him weeks ago. Weeks yeah, ago. weeks ago. So another big thing that came out, I'm sure we're, we're going to get into the game. We'll talk about it later, but Bill Belichick has, his, been coaching for 40 some years in the league. He's been a head coach for 22 years in the league or, or more in the league. And he is saying that there needs to be a change to the challenges within two minutes. This comes after some of the things that have happened recently. And in a game we'll talk about here shortly, uh, basically stating that there is a requirement that either there, if there's a questionable play, either there has to be something that says, Hey, this has to be a stoppage regardless of snap of the football for the, for the team or anything like that, or coaches have to be allowed to challenge plays within inside two minutes. If New York or the, the officials are not going to be able to do it in time. Uh, honestly, like I said, Bill Belichick has been a coach for a really long time. This is something that if he was going to say it, people are going to listen. This is something that's probably going to come up in league meetings in the offseason and, and maybe addressed because we've seen things like this happen a little too much lately to where refs are making bad calls, we're making the wrong call, or not getting the, the, the challenge reviewed in time. Let's get into some quick hit thoughts here. So we're just going to go round robin on this. We're going to do the same thing we just did, Nick, Matt, Connor, Ernesto, and I'll go last. We're going to start with who is your midseason MVP, Nick? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think that the the Chiefs are just uh, they're going to continue being the top top uh, performer in the AFC. I think that they'll clinch the the bye and the woods with the one seed a few weeks early, and uh, he limits his term turnovers unlike other QBs. Okay, Matt. 
Yeah, I think it's got to be Mahomes right now. I mean, he's leading the league in yards, leading the league in touchdowns. His team's first in the AFC. That's it's it's a shame to say that like it's it kind of speaks to how great Mahomes is because we're kind of just like ah eh, you know I guess it's Mahomes you know because he's having another amazing year. It's just the rest of the candidates have kind of fallen off. Josh Allen fell off. Too many interceptions. Hertz has been you know Hertz was only kind of up there because he lost or he hadn't lost a game. Tua I think Tua would be up there, but he just hasn't played enough games. He's missed three games. Tua, shout out to Tua. Tua's playing really well. I think if he did all the games, he'd be up there. But I think it's got to be Mahomes right now. Leading the league in yards, touchdowns, number one seed in the AFC. It's him right now. Connor? It's Tua. It's Tua. (laughs) It's just Tua. I'm sorry. I know he's missed some games, and he's probably not going to win it because of that. But when he plays, that offense, completely different. I picked them to win the division this year. And honestly, they just might do it. They just might do it. And I don't like Tua. I personally do not like Tua, but you can't deny that he is playing out of his mind right now. He's not as bad as people thought, and he's proving it right now. They're seven and three. They're leading the toughest division in football right now. I mean, he is the MVP. That team does not win without him. Ernesto? Heineke. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, I was going to say, no, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it too. He was going either <laughs> a joke with it or he was going to be serious. It didn't matter which one, but I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, reason behind Jalen Hurts is he could do both. Even if they did lose this past week, the Eagles are not 8-0 going into Monday Night Football without Jalen Hurts. You can – I'm sorry. He's so versatile and so – Hard to contain because he could throw the football very good. Like that throw to Quez Watkins where the fumble happened uh, yesterday was a beautiful fucking throw. He could beat you with his legs, beat you with his arm. He's a dual threat quarterback and he's found his own. I want to do a mention of if this quarterback has been playing how he's played the last five weeks all season, he would be the MVP even with his team being terrible, which would be Justin Fields. But he got hot way too late. Yeah, I mean, he's only been – he really can't turn it on week five. So I'm going to say a name. I So everyone here is on quarterbacks, and I absolutely hate the fact that to, to win this award, you have to be a quarterback or do something completely out of this this damn world, all right? And it irritates the ever-living shit out of me. And I mean, that's why you have the Offensive Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year. I get that, all right? But those are not the coveted awards as the MVP, all right? And I think that one of the guys who's on pace to do something we haven't seen done since, like, Calvin Johnson – all right. And I'm going to say two names and one I'm not so confident about because his quarterback just hasn't really been playing well enough. Justin Jefferson is honestly a game changing wide receiver. And I feel like you could toss that ball into a zip code that he's in and he'll find a way to catch that damn ball. The other one plays for Miami and he's the reason Tua looks so damn good. And that's because his name is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is performing at a level we never saw him do with the Chiefs. We never, like, he's he's literally taking that offense to a new level. If you think about the only difference really between the what the Dolphins had before and what they have now, it's Mike McDaniel, who if you some people in the, in the house call don't really trust Mike McDaniel, and it's Tyreek Hill. The guy can get open. I think, honestly, the reason I'm not impressed with Patrick Mahomes is because he hasn't looked the same. Patrick Mahomes isn't doing the same things. Like he's he's you know out there, but it's really just Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. And when it doesn't work, he looks bad. He's had bad games because he doesn't have Tyreek Hill out there. You think about all the all the games that Belichick pregame for him. He only like, hey, we'll take away Travis Kelsey, and if Tyreek Hill beats us, Tyreek Hill beats us. That's what he always did. 
He didn't care about Tyreek Hill because he knew the offense went through Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs know the offense went to go through Travis Kelsey, which is why Kelsey is still a Chief and Tyreek is a Dolphin. But those are my two guys for MVP. And like I said, I hate that it's a quarterback award. I hate that all a quarterback has to do is be the best quarterback in the NFL and he's automatically an MVP. I get it. It's one of the most important positions in football. But we have seen that you can be a game manager and go to a freaking Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. All right. You don't have to be the MVP. Okay. Sometimes you're. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best game managers in the game, but he's never going to be in the freaking MVP situation. He's gone to what, three NFC championships? In a Super Bowl, so I can't even knock Joe, on him, right? Joe but Flacco. let's keep this. Yeah, Flacco, Joe another Flacco. perfect example. So <clears> I hate <throat> the fact that it's that, but I digress. We'll keep this moving. Nick, defensive player of the year. Uh, I have uh, Matt Judon from the Patriots. Uh, he's the lead, lead league leader in sacks, and I think he'll continue that. And uh, I think he'll finish with more. I think he'll finish around seventeen or eighteen sacks this year. So I'm going to give him the edge against uh, Micah Parsons. Okay. Okay. Matt? Yeah, I'm going to go with Judon, too. I saw – I looked at the odds before I came on here, and it's like Micah's the overwhelming favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. And I looked at his numbers, and I was like, his numbers aren't really jumping out at you. You know, he's got eight sacks. He's got, you know, like 45 tackles. It's not like anything, you know, like Lawrence Taylor, like a lot of people are comparing him to. It's not anything like that. You know, he's having a good year. But, you know, with the recent last couple of games with, you know, uh, Green Bay running all over them and, you know, how they've been struggling on defense the last couple of games, especially against Chicago, too. Uh, I'm going to go with Judon. He's leading the league in sacks. Um, deep, uh, I mean, we're all Patriots fans. You know, that that team would not look the same without Judon on defense. He yeah. wrecks games for us. So um, I got to go with Judon. Got to go with him. Before I get into it, Connor, Ernesto, are you both Judon as well? No. Yeah. Oh, I'm Judon. OK, Connor, who, who's your guy? So everybody's saying Matthew Jones, I get that. But the thing is that last season he had a very similar start and it died down towards the end of the season. He looks like this five weeks from now, I'll go Matt Judon. But I'm going to go Micah Parsons. That defense runs through him. At the end of the day, that Patriots defense, although it would not be the same without Judon, that secondary is still playing out of its mind. They still have multiple playmakers on that defense that are just a little underrated. Juwan Bentley, very good linebacker, stuffs the run. And can drop into pass coverage. He's a Boiler up, hammer down, man. Boiler up, hammer down. That's what I'm talking about. Let's be real. Uh, and just so everybody's aware, yes, Micah Parson is the big favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. But Matthew Jodon isn't even the runner-up. It's Nick Bosa. Yeah. Nick Bosa is the runner-up right now in the odds. Miles Garrett's and nobody's going to bring – Miles Garrett's number four. I mean, it's all pass rushers right now. And Do you, do you want to know the craziest team? thing right now is about this, though? Matthew Judon, Judon is – number one in sacks, and number two in pressures. And he's not even top three in Defensive Player of the Year right now. And and I think that is what Connor said. I think that a lot of odds makers right now are looking at, hey, he did the same thing last year almost, and then he fell off at the end. And so I think that it's a very valid point that that although the stats and the – like if we're checking it midseason, Udon, Udon would be the guy. Before, but the full season reason he's not up there right now is because he did fall off last year, and it ultimately led to that – team essentially going what four out of five and also so, another thing is is that he has seven and a half sacks right against the lions bears and colts and can we all agree that those are all terrible offensive lines fair. yes yeah. i mean maybe not the bears o line the bears o line is actually very underrated but 
he's not getting – I mean, he got no sacks against the Jets and no sacks against the Browns. Two good old offensive lines. So he had a lot of pressure in that game. He didn't get the sacks, but he had a lot of pressure in that game. And I think – and a lot of those pressures turned into interceptions. So I think we, I, I think there's a lot of things that come into this outside of what you can see on the stat sheet. But let's try to keep this moving here. Coach of the year, Nick. Uh, I got uh, the Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni. Um, I, it was a toss-up between the two NFC East head coaches, Brian Dable or Sirianni, but uh, I have the Eagles going like 14-2 and two and getting the one seed with the bye. So I'm, how, how can you not give them the head, the head coach of the year after that? Matt? I'm going to go a little off the board here. It's a team in the AFC East, uh, and I think they're about to fall off. I think they're about to go right – down the tank. I think they're about to start losing a bunch of games. But as of right now, the Jets are six and three. The <laughs> New York Jets are six and three. I don't know how you don't give it to Robert Sala if the New York Jets are six and three. I don't I don't think anyone expected the Jets to even win six games all year. And they're six and three right now. I think you gotta give it to them at this point. All right. Connor? Pete Carroll. He's winning with Geno Smith. He's winning with a career journeyman. And and he's make I'm sorry, but his defense is also playing out of their mind. Pete Carroll has just turned a terrible team, just like Robert Sala has turned a terrible team into leading his division. And I think that's more impressive than Nick Sirianni going out and getting superstar players and playing, you know, them doing what they've been doing. Can you name one receiver outside of Lockett and Metcalf on that team? No, no, I couldn't name hardly anybody else on that team. Leading a tough division, too. Ernesto? Uh, <clears throat> mine is between Brian Dable and Robert Sala. I can't decide on them. It depends on how the Jets finish and how the Giants finish. Um, I'm a firm believer that I don't think Coach of the Year should be based on record. You should look at the roster along with record and see what they're working with. I mean, obviously, if we go off record, Nick Sirianni's probably the fucking favorite, but he's got... A.J. Brown, who was all pro with his team. You got Hurts playing out of his mind. You got this great offensive line, great defense. You got all these great pieces. And you look at Brian Dable and Robert Sala took a shit roster that was, like, below average last season. And now now this season, they're both in the, in the playoff contention. They're both in playoff see, contention. And if they finish strong, it's between them. My thing is, right, I'm, all, I'm 100% on Brian Dable. And I'm going to tell you guys why here, all right? Just real quick. Saul is in year two. Pete Carroll's been there the whole time, all right? Sirianni inherited a great roster. Brian Dabble is nine games in to being a head coach of a team that offensively, like you were talking about, can you name a wide receiver? Name a Giants wide receiver. Wandale. Wandale. And the only reason you know that is he had a hell of a fucking fantasy week. Right, Wandale yeah. Robinson, Darius <laughs> Slayton, Toonies in Kansas City now. Like he Kenny Galladay. Yeah, Kenny barely plays. He plays like nine percent of the snaps. Like this guy <laughs> took a team that was literally like a four-win team last year, and they have a chance. They're a game back of the Eagles right now, and they face them twice. If the, if the Giants win both those games, the Giants win that division. We just said the Eagles might get the number one seed. The Giants are legit, and if that happens with that defense and Saquon Barley playing out of his mind, he's like, Saquon's about to set a franchise record in touches. He's on pace to break Barber's record. 
All right. That's that's the kind of offense they're doing right now. And that's the kind of things Brian Dabble's doing. And they're winning ugly. They're playing Giants football. And I, I love it. But here we're gonna do a quick we're gonna do a quick run, all right? We're just gonna go names. We're running, we're starting to get a little crazy here. Nick, offensive player of the year. Uh Tyreek Hill. Matt. Gotta be Tyreek. Connor. Jefferson. Ernesto. Saquon Barkley. That's a really good pick. That's that a, a really, really good, good pick. pick. I was not seeing it. We all went wide receivers, and you went running back. I respect that. I'm on the Tyreek Hill, man. Like, if he doesn't get the MVP and he continues doing the things he's doing, he's winning Offensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry. And if, if it doesn't, if he doesn't, he puts up the numbers he's putting up, unfortunately, it'll be a slight. And I hate that because that means Justin Jefferson probably got it. And I just don't think Justin Jefferson's had as good a year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I got Sauce Gardner. Matt? Sauce, lockdown. Connor? It's going to be Sauce, but I think Jack Jones. It's a good pick. Ernesto? Sauce Gardner. I mean, Jack Jones is, is grading out right there with him. I think that the, the difference is, is Sauce Gardner's got a few more targets and he plays a little bit more and because he, he's playing every down out there in the secondary where Jack Jones is more of rotating in. And I think that's the only reason Jack Jones isn't in the conversation. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Nick. Uh, I got the running back out of Seattle, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Matt? I Kenneth Walker, too. It would be Brees Hall if he didn't get hurt, but Kenneth Walker. Yeah, that injury really derailed some things. Connor? Word for word what Matt said. I had Brees Hall, but now I got to go Kenneth. Ernesto? Same as Matt and Connor. I had Brees Hall, but going with Kenneth Walker. And honestly, I think that's the way everybody's leaning as well. The guy has been tearing it up. He, he's directly responsible for how that offense is performing because they finally have a legit running back. I know Geno Smith's been doing a lot of crazy things, but Kenneth Walker is is probably winning that award. And I, I think the only person who would have deserved it more is Brees Hall if he hadn't gotten hurt, just like you guys said. It also well, helps. There's no rookie quarterbacks. There's no rookie quarterbacks oh. in the conversation. Yeah, not a Four single one. Really- Pickett was playing like a first-round quarterback. He would yeah. get it, but he's not. Yeah. So that's our those are our projections for the major awards for the for the end of the NFL season. Let's get into some games here. So the first game happened over in Germany. It was a really early game. Most of us uh, probably weren't awake to actually watch this game. We probably checked in on the fourth quarter to see what was going on. And ultimately, it was something we didn't really expect. I didn't think the Bucks get, could get any offense going. I thought Seattle would just drop like thirty on them and it'd be done. But Nick, what would you take away from this Bucks game? Uh, the the Bucks defense showed up. Uh, I think that they're one of the best defenses, uh, especially against the run. And they they stopped Kenneth Walker completely. Da- sh- they shut him down, so it made it a lot harder. I think on Geno. So um, I think that the Bucks just have to keep playing good defense, and they're finally finally figuring out a formula that's winning on offense. Um, just don't let Fournette throw the throw the football. <laughs> or just don't let him throw it to Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Connor, I got a question for you, man. Do you think the Bucks are finally beginning to take control of the NFC South like we thought they were going to at the beginning well, they, of the year? They got their run game going. Everybody's saying Brady's playing terrible. Well, they're not getting any running yards. It's the first game, I think, this season they've gotten over 100 rushing yards or had a running back over 100 rushing yards. And their defense played out of their mind. I, I don't know if they're going to win that division, though, because their team is still in shambles, and Todd Bowles isn't that good of a coach, if you ask me. So, I mean, I'm still taking the Falcons. I still think the Falcons are going to win that division. 
it has been one of the crazy divisions for sure to watch. I know that every week I feel like there's a different team that's going to be able to take that over. But I mean, it's just it's just crazy. But Matt, I got a question for you, man. Are the Seahawks regressing? Are we starting to see? Is this starting to see where like the league's catching up to them a little bit? Because it seems like the last couple of weeks they haven't been doing the things they were doing earlier in the year. Yeah, I was about to say, it looked like Geno Smith turned back into Geno Smith right on time for about the first three and a half quarters. And then those last couple of drives, he was making some like ridiculously like crazy plays out of nowhere. Like that throw, that touchdown throw to Goodwin was like rolling to his left, throw it to the back corner. That looked like Mahomes. I was like, what is like, what is happening right now? That was Geno. But um, yeah, it looks like they're, they're, they're coming back to the pack a little bit. I think teams are going to start figuring them out a little bit. They, they drafted really well. Uh, they have a lot of good young rookies, but I think that the, the talent gap with the other teams is just going to start catching up to them and, and they're going to start coming back to the pack. I do love Gino though. I do love Gino yeah. quote of the year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I come back. He might even come back player of the year as well. Ernesto. Yep. So with what Matt just said, do you think the Seahawks are still the favorites to win the West based on what we've seen? Or do you think the 49ers are, are hot on their tail? I think the Seahawks are still winning it. I don't think this is anything to be scared about. I think the Bucks defense has shown all year that they are one of the best defenses in the league. Um, my notes from the game are the Bucks defense is legit. Bucks wide receivers that drop fucking passes. Run <laughs> game was working, and the Seahawks are not regressing. Um, I think the Seahawks started finding what the Bucks were running towards later in that game. Maybe you could say it was garbage time, but the game was still close. The Seahawks could have easily came back and won that game. <clears throat> I have a newborn, so yes, I was up and I watched almost the whole game because she decided to wake <laughs> up at 6 in the morning. Uh, so she's my football buddy, so I just put clothes on her and we watched the game together. Uh, it was a really good defensive game. Brady was looked pretty well until he tripped. Uh, I forgot who intercepted the ball, but he fell One. and he tripped. Oh, was, it, well, and the best thing was, man, was that <laughs> that resulted in the best tweet I have seen ever and i don't know if you guys saw the tweet if not i can tell you what it said basically it was, it was tom brady laying on the ground that guy catching the football and next to it was a picture of randy moss moss in a seahawks corner and tom brady posted like if i don't trip and fall i'm straight moss in that for six <laughs> and it was probably the greatest thing in the world he's come out later and said yeah i i, I tried to look i wasn't covered they yelled someone to come out there and cover me and the guy ran out there and i was trying to tell lenny hey don't throw it don't throw it and he hiked the football and he goes to cock it and i'm like oh, i'll just jump down and knock it down out of the air and ended up tripping and falling flat on my face so but just the play <laughs> call right there though like what are we doing on that play call like the first time the first time the bucks offenses look competent all year and you're then you're gonna have your your starting running back in Wildcat and throw a, a, a fade route to a 45-year-old unathletic quarterback. It does not make yeah. any sense. In the yeah. red yeah. Josh Patriots fans have seen this story before, right? We've seen <laughs> totally. this story before. We like I still remember all the memes that came out of Tom Brady missing the Lombardi trophy like this. It was uh, terrible, terrible. But, I mean, all in all, yeah, right. All in all, this, this, this game, I think that there's a lot of takeaway from this game. It is – it was a bigger game than I think a lot of us thought it was going to be. I think the Bucks right now are starting to figure it out. That game-winning drive that Brady had seems to have gotten some things going. They've gotten some things right in that in that locker room. And if Brady can continue to do those things, he's a natural-born leader, trust me. If that guy thinks that, that the offensive plays aren't getting called correctly, he's going to make the change. And I 100% believe him that he's going to start taking over that team and making them do the things that he knows is going to help them win. And 
like you said, I don't think Todd Bowles is the answer. The Seahawks, I think the Seahawks are starting to come back down to earth a little bit. And if they're not careful, they're going to lose that division. I, and I just, I really truly believe that because the 49ers have all the tools. And yeah, for a half against, the, against a depleted Chargers team, they look like complete garbage. But you know what happened? They turned it on the second half and took that game over. And that's the kind of talent they have there. They have enough talent on that team to play really shitty one half and turn it on in another half and still win by like double two scores. All right. It reminds me a lot of what the chiefs used to do with Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and all those guys. They'd come out in the first half. They could look abysmal and be like a 14 to 10 game and they'd be down four. And then they would show up and drop 30 plus in the second half. And it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me if the, if uh, the 49ers start doing that here soon. Let's move to a game that I had referenced earlier with the bill Belichick comment. We're talking bills and Vikings. Obviously, a lot of things happened in this game. There was a lot of stuff that went on in this game. I know Rob gave me a ton of notes uh, to talk about in this game, but I want to go ahead and get some questions going on here. Like, we talked about it. We've already discussed it. The Gabe Davis catch, right? And this is a situation where a lot of things happened and, and, and like, shouldn't have happened and allowed a team to climb back in a game. It was basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. But, uh, Nick, what did you what, what did you see in that catch or if you saw that catch or, like, what do you think needs to change so this doesn't happen again? Uh, I, I'm not even sure I saw that play. I, I watched the game, but what, what, which player are we talking about? It was the, the 17 seconds left Gabe David catch to put him in field goal range to tie it up at the end. Uh, basically, he, he didn't catch the football. It was clear in, in the replay he didn't catch the football. And New York made no effort to stop the play. The Bills oh, ran okay. down really fast. They hiked the football, ran another snap. And at that point, it had – or it, it happened and they couldn't go back and review it. It was clear it wasn't a catch, but it pretty much allowed the Bills to tie the game and essentially send it to overtime and give them a chance to win. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm all for stopping stopping the play a game if we're going to get the correct call. But if the uh, if the officials don't catch it in time and we run the next play, um, I think what what can you do? Well, so it happened within two minutes, and coaches aren't allowed to challenge within two minutes. And the entire stadium saw what, what we saw on TV. It was clear in the moment that it wasn't an actual catch. But New York made no effort, and the refs on the field made no effort, and the coaches are powerless in this situation. You can't throw a red flag. The only thing the Vikings could have done is if, is if they could have taken a timeout if they had one. But that would have stopped the clock, and then at that point, you don't you allow them to take a shot to the end zone to win the game. So they're not going to do that. Right, because if it's a catch and it gets reviewed, they're going to get stay there, and all of a sudden now you've got Josh Allen from like twenty yards with like two shots at the end zone. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't like those odds. So you got to let it run. So that was a big, it was a big pivotal play. Ultimately, you know, ball doesn't lie. Vikings got the dub, but we'll keep talking about it. Matt, do you think Kirk Cousins outplayed Josh Allen on Sunday? Oh wow! Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Kirk is a. Um, if you had to, if you asked me to Google mid in the dictionary, I would show you a picture <laughs> of Kirk Cousins. So I can't say that he. I can't say that he outplayed Josh Allen. I can say through the last probably ten minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime he did. Uh, but Josh Allen, listen, Josh Allen played a great football game until the last ten minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime. And then Josh Allen ended up doing what, unfortunately, Josh Allen does. And that's what Josh Allen's problem is. 
Josh Allen has the he has a blessing and a curse of being Josh Allen. The blessing of being Josh Allen is you're 6'6", 260 pounds, super fast, can run over people. He what he hurt his elbow against the Jets and still threw a 70 yard pass at the end of the game. Like he's a freakishly talented athlete. But the curse of Josh Allen is he knows all of that and he tries to make so many plays that when he gets to a check down or when it comes time to, to run out of bounds or slide or throw the ball away, he doesn't do all those things. He thinks he can make the play and he can a lot of the time, but a lot of the time that gets him in trouble too. So I think Kirk, it, they were kind of out of similar games. You look at the numbers, they were pretty similar, but Kirk got the win. So I guess you probably could say he outplayed him, but Josh Allen's I mean, the one who's getting his own way. I think Josh Allen stops turning the football over. Those are going to be so much better. Josh Allen is leading the league in turnovers right now. And that's incredible. I mean, it's, it's you think about, so I got some stats here that Rob gave me and then I'll move, I'll move on to a, uh, Connor and Ernesto. So the Bills are two and eight since 2021 in games decided by eight points or fewer. And they have they were leading by 17 before losing an OT against the Vikings. Allen leads the the league in turnovers, and Kirk Cousins complete or converted two fourth downs and a third and long to help secure the Vikings win, which is exactly what you said, Matt. He he in the in, in the critical moments of the game, Kirk Cousins outperformed Josh Allen. Which is something I never thought I would say, ever, in any yeah, situation. Yeah, and Kirk. And just to when just PM to throw Kirk another thing. just to throw another thing out there, um, it's it's been since week six since the Buffalo Bills have scored a touchdown in the second half. Yeah. So it's been four or five four or five weeks since they've actually scored a touchdown in the second half, and when you're when you have the for, the M- MVP real? candidate, yeah. uh, that that just shouldn't shouldn't even be an issue, but. With the way he's turning the ball over, um, they're not scoring as as well as they were in the beginning of the year. So I think that Josh Allen really needs to uh, not just force things so much. Connor, so here's my question, man. Do you think the Bills' offense is missing Brian Dabble right now? I don't think so. I think it's just they have no run game. They can't run the ball. Josh Allen led the led the game in running in rushing yards, and he had. Almost double with Devin Singletary. You went out and traded for Nahi Himes and you haven't used him. What's the point of going out and getting a running back if you're not going to use him? Everybody's saying Josh Allen's is forcing turnovers and forcing this and that. When you can't run the ball, you're going to have to throw more. And I don't blame him for that. You got the talent, use it. You also got Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs is a top three receiver in the league. So, honestly, I don't think they're missing Brian DeVall. I think they're just missing a running game. If they can go out and get a solid running back, a good first down back that can go and get you six yards, they'd be the best offense in the league by far. But they don't have that. They don't have that. They got a bunch of receiving backs. I mean, true to be fair, Naeem Hines is deadly in space, and if you get him on the edges, he can do a lot of damage. I thought, and at the time, I thought the Naeem Hines trade was the best trade of the trade deadline. I was like, holy crap. They got a guy who's shifty, can get in space, is quick, can catch the football. He's an every down running back in that system because you don't know if they're going to hand it off to him or run him. And then, like you said, they didn't use him. It's like you sent you sent Moss and a, and a draft pick for Neem Hines, and you've done nothing with it. You've yeah, like zero Colts rushing more, attempts. The Colts have done more with Moss and will do more with the draft pick than you've done with the guy who ultimately, when he's healthy, is a really good running back. Like, he's one of the best third-down backs, receiving backs in the league, and I stand by that. And, like, you're not using him to this. Like, it, and that's where I think, like, Brian Dabble, 
is able to identify the weaknesses and strengths of an offense. And that's what we see how they've seen the Giants perform on offense. He was able to identify the weaknesses and the strengths, the players that help that strength blossom, and those are the players he's using. And now they're winning games. I think that's the problem with the Bills right now. They're just like, the offensive corner is like, I got Josh Allen under center. I'm going to let him, he's either going to win me or lose me the game, and that's how we're going to do this. And that's the problem. I, I think they are missing Brian Dabble. But Ernesto, I got this is for you, man. Do the Bills finish third or lower in the division this year? I don't think they finished third or lower. <clears throat> if anything, I think they finished third. I think it could go the Dolphins, Patriots, and Bills, or it could intertwine between Patriots and Dolphins. I still think Patriots could win the division. I mean, come off as a hot take, but I take coaching over pure talent almost any day. Uh, the Bills, <clears throat> my notes for the game, game of the fucking year. Like, uh, holy shit. You know, I, I used to be, before I got into, you know, sports and, and, and trying to be a sports podcaster with you guys and all that stuff, I used to only watch Patriots games. Patriots were on by, I didn't watch football. But I watched this game, I tuned into it, and I was like, holy fuck, this game had me hyped. It... it there's one moment in that game where I just said Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league. And no one here could fucking argue that. Maybe Tyree Kill, you could say that, but I still think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league. Because he fucking goes up with one hand and snatches it from a cornerback with one fucking hand on a, was it a third down? I think it was a third and long. It was a fourth and 18. It was a fourth down. It was a fourth and 18. It was a fourth and 18. I saw this and I saw it. Diggs did the same thing. Diggs did the I same was thing watching this game. Why? Diggs did too, yeah. I was and watching this I game at work, and when he God. made that catch. <sighs> I, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, he threw it up, and I'm like, okay, the game's over. Like, that's it. Like, that's him being complete. And I, and I turned my head, and the next thing I know, the, the announcers are going wild. Like, oh, completed. I'm like, no fucking way he caught that. And I'm tired of the Kirk Cousins slander. Why does everyone come on here and talk shit about Kirk Cousins like he's supposed to be some fucking mega superstar? He's not. He's getting paid like one. He's getting like one. He's getting paid like one. He's getting paid like one. He's getting paid like one. paid. Taylor Heineke ain't getting paid like that. Heineke will get paid like that. not. And, and you know why he will? Because he plays for the Wa he plays for Washington Commanders, which is exactly where Kirk Cousins played for like four years when they gave him the franchise tag for four consecutive years and ballooned his value. <laughs> Kirk Cousins last season was a four thousand yard passer with thirty plus touchdowns. He was a great Cousins last season. And they didn't make did they make the playoffs? Did they make the playoffs? The defense was hurt almost. I don't care. That does matter. No, Kirk I think Blake throws through for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns one year. So that hey, yeah, you can, you can throw mean, anybody, anybody. Throw can throw I could more. throw for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns with Justin Jefferson Justin out there. Jefferson. All right, <laughs> and TJ Hawkinson. Anyway, yeah, and TJ and Alvin. Adam Thielen. Oh, they, just had, they just got TJ Hawkinson. They just got TJ Hawkinson. Don't give me that. She was throwing an Irv Smith Jr. as a tight end. Okay. Kirk Cousins okay. is a good fucking game managing quarterback, and the Vikings defense is great. And I was so going to say Monday good Thursday, Thursday then he's a nobody. Great. Ernesto, I'm going to get a shirt made for you. It says, I love mid quarterbacks. <laughs> 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 you 
literally, you have this I mid quarterback train thing going and, on. I'm not going to sit here. We're going to do a banner that says, I from, love mid quarterbacks. It's going to be you, like a little, like, little, and, you know, <laughs> holding an arrow, and it's going to be pictures of like all these mid quarterbacks. I'm not going to sit here. I have right next to him, too. Oh you guys God. are the Mac Jones dick riders. I'm not going to listen to this. I have been the Mac Jones, Mac Jones hater for a hot yeah. minute. All I, I, I'll get it. We'll I get into like, that some I other video. Like, yeah. We're not going to talk about that now. We're not going to talk Killing about that Max. Mm, don't get me okay. started. We're going to move on to another mid-quarterback with a really, really <laughs> good roster. It's time to talk 49ers and Chargers. And if you're wondering what mid-quarterback I'm talking about, it's handsome Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. So we already kind of Damn talked handsome. about this game. Damn handsome. I saw the video after the game. He's at the, the Warriors he game, and all the cheerleaders no are come up and, and dapping him up. Every single Warriors cheerleader is dapping up Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not paying ancients to Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle's getting the cold shoulder. Do you know who got every single high-five handshake and shoulder tap from those cheerleaders? Jimmy Garoppolo. But So we'll get into this. We've already talked about how the 49ers seem to be able to turn it on in a half because they have all the talent. The Chargers are dealing with tons of injuries. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you, Nick, do you have any faith in any of the West divisions before we get into this game? Um, I have, I do, I do, I do have some faith in some of the teams. Yeah. All I right. think, I think the 49ers ha- have what it takes. Okay. What's your, what was your opinion on this game, man? Um, so I think the charge chargers are in big time trouble there. I mean, Herbert is throwing it out there to nobody. So his when his top two wide receivers are out, it's gonna make it. It's gonna be a tough, tough stretch here for him in the next few games. And uh, their defense kind of finally showed up for a few possessions or the first half. They were they were looking good, but um, on the 49ers side, I just think that uh, you just have too many offensive weapons. And you you would think that when your when your QB throws for zero touchdowns, that you're gonna have a bad game and you're gonna lose. But but Jimmy G, when he throws zero touchdowns, is ten and two in his career. So he has the best record in 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 the Super Bowl era, uh, throwing zero touchdowns. So all he has to do is kind of look pretty out there and hand the ball off to McCaffrey and uh, Elijah Mitchell, spread the ball a little bit around, and and they're going to win these games. And that's the scary part about how good the 49ers could be, is that even when Jimmy, even when they're having like a, a bad game. It's still good enough to beat probably 80% of the league. But, Matt, what did you take away from this game, man? Yeah, I had a couple takeaways. My first one was, and it's a lot of what-ifs. It's It seems like there's always a lot of what-ifs with the Chargers. Like, they, it's like every year we're talking about if they can stay healthy, if they can squeak into the playoffs, you know. It's like if they can get there, though, I think they can cause some problems because Justin Herbert is that dude. And he's doing this without, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who I think I saw that they're both going to be practicing this week. So that'll be huge for uh, whenever they come back. That'll be huge for them. But I think if the Chargers can squeak in seven seed and somehow squeak into the playoffs, I think they can cause some problems. And then 49ers wise, uh, pretty much what Nick said, too many weapons, but their two main problems are going to be the two things that might be most important in football, I think, and that's their quarterback and that's their head coach, their quarterback. We were talking about mid quarterbacks. If, if Kirk cousins isn't the definition of mid it's Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, we've seen what he does in the playoffs. His, his ass gets real tight when the playoffs comes around, he starts getting real nervous when the playoffs comes around. We saw it in the super bowl when he was OC with the Falcons. He didn't know what to do when he got the lead. When Bray started making that run, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do when he had to lead over the Mahomes, over Mahomes in the super bowl. 
So I think those are their two main issues that if they stumble along the way, it's either going to be because of their coach or their quarterback. I mean, you think about it, though, for, for a team that doesn't know what to do in the playoffs, like you're saying, Jimmy G and, and Kyle Shanahan seem to just always be around for that stuff. And they like, I think last year, no one thought that they were going to make it to the NFC championship and they just do 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 right then and there. And you're talking about maybe a few plays in that game. And we're talking about a, a Ram, uh, uh, the Rams not being there and it's the 49ers again. So, but I mean, uh, if, they, Connor, if, he, if they made that interception of Jimmy G's going to his second Super Bowl, Yeah. And it was um, like a punt but again, to the could, safety. Yeah. And he dropped Listen, it. So. We, we could talk about, we could we could talk about what ifs all year with them, you know. We could talk yeah. about what if you know Jimmy G made that throw in the Super Bowl against against uh, Mahomes, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Like we could have done that one too, you know. But it just seems like there's always a what if with them because they never get over that hump because they yeah. have Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I would, I can see that. Connor, what's your takeaway so. from this game, man? Well, the Italian Stallion's the most underrated quarterback in the league. He really <laughs> is. This guy wins, and I'm be real. I'm taking a quarterback that wins over a talented quarterback. Guy's got a winning record. He's got 11 touchdowns and four interceptions. It's a great ratio. That's a great ratio, and he's winning. He's winning. I think they were going to do better with him over Trey Lance. I honestly do, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to lead them to the playoffs. I really do. I think they're going to win that division. I I genuinely think that getting Christian McCaffrey, getting him that, just someone you can dump it off to, and he'll make it into 15 yards – you throw a two-yard flat to the guy, and he goes and gets 15 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo will be able to do so much with that. I genuinely think that Jimmy Garoppolo can do something magical with this team. If people also just get off of his get off his back a little bit, he's playing good. He's really playing good. <laughs> Calm down. I think a he's lot of pe- a, a lot of people criticize Jimmy G, and he's making it to championship games, Super Bowls, and. I, I don't. Uh, What's there to criticize? I, I don't understand. What's there to criticize? Yeah, I, he's winning. Exactly. He's winning. I, I don't. I, I don't understand I the think, hate on him that much. Everybody's like Lamar Jackson. I think. Is. I think Jaylen, they ain't done nothing. Jimmy Garoppolo been to a Super Bowl. All right, get off this man. <laughs> I think fellow. Ahead, I think fellow mid alumni Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Dak Prescott could all make it to the Super Bowl with that team that he's got around him. And so, I mean, he's not wrong. Those are what ifs, though. Like Jim, those are what ifs. Like Jimmy G actually got to the Super Bowl, and was a few plays from winning it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Definitely not Kirk Cousins. That dude is terrible in prime time. Yeah, <laughs> Ernesto, what'd you take away from this game, man? Uh, I I didn't watch it. I'm gonna be completely honest. I I this was my snooze game. Uh, I I <laughs> took a fucking nap during this game. And I saw the final score, which was like 22 to 15. So I was like, I guess I didn't miss much. Uh, (laughs) But I am going to speak on the Chargers aspect. I'm not speaking on the game, but I'm going to speak on the Chargers. They just had a bunch of bad luck this season. You lost JC Jackson. You lost Mike Will. You lost Keenan Allen week one. They're a very talented team. And it's just, it seems like every time they're ready to make a push to the playoffs or even a Super Bowl run, something always happens to them. It's like it's always something. It just I don't know what, what, what gypsy, what what voodoo master. <laughs> what curse is on the Chargers? Had, <laughs> what curse is on the Chargers? As far as the 49ers, I still think the Seahawks win the division, but I think the 49ers could cut it really close, maybe even win it. The 49ers getting Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I know we did an update video on that, and I said that it, it would it, it would either be an A plus trade or it would be an F minus trade, depending on McCaffrey's health and the way he's been looking. 
it's looking like an A plus so far. Oh, yeah. Like Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is the top three, if not the best running back in the league because he's so versatile, he's so dual threat, and I spoke on this, that he is a great running back and you could do so much with him. And I know Kyle Shanahan, offensive-minded coach, is loving having McCaffrey there. Along oh, yeah. with, you know, when Debo is 100%, imagine imagine running a wildcat formation with Christian McCaffrey and Debo in, in, in the shotgun. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Now, I do want to mention something here. You were talking about the, the NFC West division there and thinking the Seahawks are going to hold on to it. Um, we had mentioned something earlier. I'm going to regress a little bit here, go back to the Bills-Vikings. Uh, I forgot to mention it. We had said that you had asked Ernesto, like, if we thought the Bills were going to finish third or worse in that division. And he said, I don't see him finishing worse than third. I want you to be aware that they still have to play the Dolphins one more time. They still have to play the Jets one more time. And they've already lost to both of them. And they have to play the Patriots twice. If the Bills I do not get split. it figured out, if the, if, they, if the Bills do not get it figured out, and, and the Patriots are able to get their offense worked out after the bye, if the Patriots come out and beat the Jets, and the, and the Bills and all that, all that stuff happens, you're talking the entire division is within a game of each other. If the Bills lose to the Dolphins, they're not winning the division. Yeah. They're not going to. They're going to finish second at least. Yeah, and so right now, they're third. They're tied up with the Jets. Jets hold the tiebreaker over them. And they still have to face Patriots twice. There is a possibility where if the Bills continue to play the way they're playing, they go from being first pretty much the entire first half of the season to being dead last and missing the playoffs, which would be absolutely mind-boggling considering we were just talking about the amount of talent that's on the 49ers. I feel the Bills are the same way. And where one team seems to be figuring it out with the new pieces week after week and getting healthy, the Bills just seem to be getting worse and worse and it makes no sense. But I just want to put that out there that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness this year, which brings us to Monday Night Football, NFC East matchup, Commanders-Eagles. And I'm going to start with Ernesto because he is on this episode because he made a deal with Rob that if this happened, he would be on this because he spent all week in our ears about how this is going to be Heineke's game. The commanders are going to win this game. And we all looked at him like he was absolutely out of his mind. So Ernesto, without any further ado, we're going to step away and let you have your moment. And I'm playing, we'll hang out, but go ahead, get into it. Eagles commanders. This is my candle of good luck. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) But in all seriousness, all week I said, commanders are going to beat the Eagles. Why? Last year, when the Steelers were 11-0, and what team beat the Steelers? The Washington football team. They are known for beating teams that are undefeated. And also... We can call it known. They did it well, once, you know. <laughs> they did it once. Yeah. Let me have my moment. All right. <laughs> All week, I was looked like a maniac. I even saw the predictions video of last week when uh, Tom Tom said I was picking Commanders, and Joe looked like 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 I was a fucking psychopath. Rob's been in my ear all week talking shit about me picking them. I've had to deal with everyone, especially Mac Jones, uh, Dick Ryder over here talking shit all fucking week, saying Heineke didn't do shit. 
I'm going to say a stat from the game last week. 13 of 19 third down conversions. The Commanders overcame 13 of 19 third down conversions. You know what the time of possession was in the third quarter with 6.30 to go? 30 minutes to 6. The Commanders destroyed time of possession. How that possession was because when of run it was game. needed to be converted. Because of the run game? What are you talking about? How many times did Heineke... I also want to point out, Jake's not on here, but Jake was talking shit about Scary Terry saying he wasn't going to have a good game when he was bitching Darius Slay the whole fucking game. <laughs> he did say that. He did say that. I was I was on the house bets with him when he thought he didn't There was Terry one was throw that I said Heineke fucked up on, which was when he should have thrown it to the back shoulder on Terry on a one-on-one against Darius Slay where he had two steps on him, but he threw it to the inside and C.J. Gardner picked it off. If he would have thrown it to the back shoulder, to the left pylon, that would have been a fucking either first and goal or would have been a touchdown. Taylor Heineke played great that game. He game managed. Okay, I'm sick of people thinking that these like Heineke is this fucking superstar. I know he's not a superstar, but he's a fucking underdog. He plays with heart. More heart than Mac Jones. Oh, we need to play better. Shut your bitch ass up and play good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we gotta play All right. I'm tired of hearing we got to play better. Show me. So... So I want to say something before we move on to Connor here. We're going to go in a back order here because I know Connor's got some things to say. I can tell by his face. I watched a video today. It was a short video by a guy that irritates the ever-living hell out of me, but I watch him anyway because sometimes he says something that I either find hilarious or true. And this is Colin Coward. Colin Coward came on and talked about Taylor Heineke's performance in uh, in this game. And he said, he, he's like, you know, it's kind of like when you, do a te- when you do a team project. And you're on the team and you contribute and you still get an A, but you're not the reason you got the A. And that's pretty much what he said Taylor Heineke was. He's like, he was on the team, he contributed, but ultimately he's not the reason they got the A. And and I, I had never felt a more true statement in my life. Yes, Taylor Heineke did everything he was supposed to do. But by no means was he the team leader or the the, the main reason they got the A. Which is I'm not a knock on Taylor Heineke. It's not a knock. The offense has been performing better since he took over. Yes. He is yes. three and it one has. as the starting yeah. quarterback. I yes, also want to put something else up for you. Four hundred yards. But he's playing the offense is a lot more efficient with him. So I got some bad news for you, Ernesto. Before we came on here, I went and looked one last time at ESPN on for the NFL tab. You know what I saw? Ron Rivera, non-committal on starting quarterback moving forward as Carson Wentz is coming back from injury. There has been no movement. We could see Carson Wentz back under center, completely ruining the commander's team chemistry very, very soon. But let's, let's go ahead and move on. on this. Monday night's game, earn Heineke to start. He's doing that as a strategy. Because you don't know who you're going to game plan. Are you going to game plan for Dink and Dunk, not throw it to my best receiver, bitch-ass Wentz? Or are you going to go for balls-deep Heineke that throws the ball into the <laughs> coverage, knowing his best receiver is there? I'm just saying, that's what's coming out. That's Ron Rivera's words. But, Connor, what was your opinion on this game? Go ahead and let it loose, man. Goodness. My goodness. First things first. First things first, this man has five touchdowns on the season and four interceptions. His entire career, 27 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. You almost got a 50-50 split. You cannot tell me this man is a leader or a good quarterback 
with that. You cannot. I don't care what they follow him. Says. They follow him. They follow him to what? What? They do rally eight, behind eight him. and nine. They eight rally behind season? him. What a great. <laughs> I, man, yeah, I'm gonna follow Taylor Heineke off the cliff straight to mediocrity. I'm so excited. <laughs> Can't wait. Not a great year to just go eight and nine and get a middle draft pick and waste it on another player. Man, I'm Heineke. I'm, I'm sorry, but Heineke <laughs> is. I, and and I like the underdog story. I like the underdog story. But when you got people over here lighting candles for a third string quarterback, lifelong practice squatter. Second string. I'm sorry. Expatriate. Expatriate. 99% of people did not know this man was a Patriot. I'll put money up. If you ask, hey, did you know Taylor Heineke played for the Patriots? Who the fuck is that guy? I never heard of him. He, he, didn't, he didn't make play. the regular season he roster. Play. He was yeah. there in training camp. He got cut. But he was, he was in a Patriots. You know why he got cut? You know why he got cut? Because he sucks. Because he sucks. <laughs> Ernesto. Ernesto. I'm looking right at you, buddy. I'm looking right at you, buddy. I cannot wait when they miss the playoffs and Taylor Heineke again goes almost one for one on touchdowns and interceptions. And then I can tell you, hmm, I wonder why they don't want to start him. Oh, because every time he throws a touchdown, he throws a pick right after. Man, you're acting like this guy is you get Mac the same. Jones. You get the same value from Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you mean? You Jimmy, do. Well, no, you get Jimmy Garoppolo's going to keep Jimmy three Garoppolo. things. Jimmy Garoppolo is guaranteed for three things. He's guaranteed for 200 yards. He's guaranteed for two touchdowns. He's guaranteed for one interception. That is Jimmy Garoppolo's average stat line. I shit you not. <laughs> Matt, you, 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 you keep talking trash about Mac Jones. Do me a solid. Do me a solid. And uh, look at how many times Mac Jones has won a game. He's won more than Heineke. Heineke's not good. Heineke is not good. He's not. Mike Jones has played more games than Heineke, though. So, I... yeah, and you were just too. You were just talking about touchdown to interception ratio, and Max like four to eight right now. So, it, Mike Jones is about a Mike Jones is about to carve up the Jets. Sauce Gardner, who Sauce Ooh. Gardner is about to he get didn't fucking up. do it last time they fucking played. <laughs> he won, but he won. But he Mac won. Jones almost threw oh three interceptions God. that game. Roll it back, Ernesto. Reel it, buddy. Overturned. Oh my Mac Jones, god. Mac Jones also has a better dad bod, which I do think we do need to incorporate yeah, in that all would go the dad, dad bod rating needs Mac to be Jones, in there. As Mac someone Jones with, with a dad bod, the dad with bod. The cigar, with the cigar and his arm around with the big dad bod, I don't care what anybody says. There isn't a picture with Heineke that is as iconic and amazing as the dad bod Mac Jones with the cigar. I don't know. Him, him having the chains and putting his glasses on and shoving them up his nose a little bit, that was pretty sick. I'm just going to bush With a bush light in hand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a, that's America's fucking latte. role model right there, man. Bush latte. latte. All right, Matt, what was your takeaway from this game? Uh, first of all, I didn't know we were going to discuss so many mid quarterbacks on today's episode. This was, uh, was wild. This is like right? every single mid quarterback was discussed at some point. Um, but Most second of all, Gino, we had Garoppolo. We had mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone. Uh, second of all, Ernesto inspired me to change my MVP pick from Patrick Mahomes to Taylor Heineke. So uh, Taylor Heineke <laughs> is now my MVP. Uh, third, third of all, Ernesto, you were not the only one on the commander's limb. I also, before the week, said commanders are going to win. Now, does that make me clairvoyant? Do I see the future? I was six and eight in picks this week. Maybe not, but I saw it coming. I saw that one coming. Okay. I saw the commanders. All right. But. The, I mean, the commanders dominated the game. 
Uh, Ernesto said it at one point, the time of possession was 32 to seven in the third quarter. Like that's ridiculous. The the Eagles had the ball for seven minutes and they were mid in midway through the third quarter. That's ridiculous. Um, and the Eagles, I think they're, they're, they're getting a little too into themselves as far as got a beast of a running back in Miles Sanders that they don't even use. And they got a beast of a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts that they don't run nearly enough. They're getting too reliant on Jalen Hurts' arm. I know you got A.J. Brown. I know you got Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard's good, too. But you got to run that rock. you got to know your identity. The Eagles' identity is not to air it out. The Eagles' identity is to run the football. And they got away from that. And I think that's part of the reason why they lost. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, and honestly, you just brought up a, a really good point here. Dallas Goddard is set to miss time now. He got hurt in that game. So he, he's probably going to be out for some uh, a little bit of time there. And uh, the sloppy play we've seen from the Eagles the last couple of weeks here has just been atrocious. But, Nick, uh, what do you think, man? What do you got in this game? Um, so I think that, uh, I mean, the Eagles just had a bad week. People may just be too too yeah, too yeah too high on them. Uh, they still have a, a quarterback that's not – not elite in my opinion he's on the rise he's going to be a star qb soon but um he's not going to take over games throwing the ball 40 50 times so i think they got to just like matt said they got away from what wins them the games and uh usually they're the ones controlling the ball for 30 40 time uh minutes in the the game uh but i I think it's just a little pit stop or little road bump for the eagles they're going to continue doing what they're what they do their defense is real is real good and i think that they were uh on the wrong side of two unlucky unlucky calls or one one no call one 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 unlucky call uh yeah i saw the the face mask fumble i saw that the still of that clearly that guy's face mask is being ripped into his belly yeah so so uh... it's like did the face mask make him fumble we who knows but um they didn't call it and then the Heineke laying on the ground and then getting tapped to second after. I mean, great play by Heineke. Great play that, by Heineke. It's play smart, man. He's like, well, how, I'm not going to throw him the football. I'll just lay here. I, I don't even think that. <laughs> could you like why? Why was that a penalty? Like, that that, that, is penalty. that was definitely a penalty. Sure. Was late. I'm sorry. Bro. That was a was laying down. You tap you tap him on the shoulder. No need to dive at him. Anybody who says that's Sully not a was ten out of ten. I, I don't know who any. I mean, yeah. So it, it was definitely over overselling it. But hey, I'm trying to win a game. I'm a mediocre quarterback trying to get people to love me. You know? I gotta win a game somehow. Y'all say a hooker by crook. It sounds like you get on one knee and let a 300 pound uh, muscular ass defensive end uh, just tap you and see if you don't go fucking flying a few yards. Yeah. That, that don't sound like a good time to me. But some of the things that we didn't talk about in this game, so I said Dallas Goder got hurt. The Eagles are starting to come back down to earth, and it's really – a lot of people are wondering, you know, were they looking this good because they essentially had a really easy schedule early on, and the, their, their second half of the schedule is full with NFC East guys, man. It's, it's They play the Giants twice. They got the, the, the Commanders again. They got the Cowboys again. And, you know, the Cowboys obviously coming off of what was a, a terrible loss to the Packers. I still don't know how that happens. And the Cowboys have – they're doing Cowboys things. I'm not even going to talk about it. But do you guys think that the Eagles now, maybe they're getting a little exposed and there's a chance that maybe one of these other teams can snake this division from them? Uh, maybe the Vikings. Maybe the Vikings. Well, the Vikings but, aren't in that division. I, I mean, I could – talking about the conference. My bad, my bad. No. no I mean, they said – well, they still have a lot of games to play in their division. I think that I mean they could still lose a few, and it's it's possible that uh, either the Cowboys or Giants sneak past them. But 
I think I, I just I think with the Eagles defense that the I think they'll max out at three losses. So those teams will those teams will have to beat that or have the tie uh, the tiebreaker. Yeah, and the Giants already well, have two. So if they lose three, you know that means that either the Giants sweep them and then don't lose the rest of the way and, and take that division or own the tiebreaker against them, and that's really the only team that can do it then. Yeah. So. I think the Giants beat Eagles in one of those two games. I don't know which one. Probably the one in New York, but they're going to win one of the two. Yeah. Well, another and another big news out of this game came afterwards. Uh, didn't have any effect on this game, but Chase Young activated off IR. Looks like he could make his debut for the Commanders this Sunday against the Texans. Commanders are riding high, getting a stalwart back on the defensive line. And I think that's huge for them, whether Heineke's under center or they go back to Wentz. Chase Young being back on the defensive side of that ball is going to make that defense so much better and really just change things. But that has been our recap of Week 10 and all the news, some of our projections for some of the major awards this year. Before we go, I'd like to show you guys some of the merch we got here. I went ahead. I ordered a shirt. I fucking did it, guys. I ordered a shirt. I finally got one. That's what it looks like. There it is. I got the logo on the back, too. You can customize these things any way you want. You can just have the front logo. You can just have the back logo. Hell, you can get the big logo on the front if you want. We got different colors. We got different styles. Go check it out. The link's down there, society6.com, the House Call podcast. I love it. It's super comfortable. It's good material. I took it out of the package, threw it right on my body. It was great. I wore it for the house bed segment that we did uh, on uh, Monday night. Me and uh, Jake and I did. But if you want any of that merch, you can go to the society6.com, the house call podcast below. The other code you see scrolling down there, that's our liquid IV code. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love liquid IV. I do a lot of outdoor things. I do a lot of sports. Liquid IV is always by my side. I love the guava flavor. Do you guys got any favorite flavors? Guava. Guava. I've been, guava. I've been, li- I've been liking the watermelon. 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 Ernesto, watermelon. you trying it yet? Watermelon. So there you go. You get we got more flavors than that. All you need is a 16, one little pouch of, water, of liquid IV, 16 ounces of water. I like to throw a little ice, on, ice in it, get it chilled up. I think it tastes better, helps go down smoother. Gives you three times the electrolytes, way more hydration than anything else you can get. So go get hydrated. Go get yourself a liquid IV. Rep the, rep the merch. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok youtube share the content grow this community help us to better we got giveaways coming up and things like that for when we hit certain marks new websites coming soon it'll be down below to show you that stuff in the description can't wait for all these things to happen but i'm joe that's nick matt ernesto and connor bringing you a bunch of football content the episode will be back next week maybe now or tomorrow actually yeah we're doing a prediction video be we recording that tomorrow be up soon after that Maybe not this group, but more fresh faces bringing more fresh content. But for now, this is the House Call Podcast signing off. We're going to start out hot with the quarterbacks here. Justin Fields absolutely dominated, 51.72 points. Uh, he's been the highest scoring quarterback in the, 